Goodbye diets and hello sustainable health. I'm Elise, dietitian and nutritionist based in the Silicon Valley. I believe that we all deserve an effortless relationship with food without obsession. I have with me Joanne Kim from All of Me Counseling, as well as her collective, as well as her new new project in, in feelings and courses around feelings. And Joanne presented me with all of these fun, interesting topics. And one of them being, you know, I don't feel like I'm a good enough person. The way that I see this play out is the feeling of I'm not good enough. It's not necessarily a feeling. It's more like a thought of like, I'm not good enough. So I have to do more and more and more and change myself. What specific scenarios do you see these feelings bubbling up? What stories you said? When do you see kind of these big feelings surfacing that keep on keeping people stuck? I think often, like, as you say, like people usually notice it as in thought form. In the heat of the moment, that's not what people consider. It's usually like after crap hits the fan, <laughs> after things break and they're like, what happened? So in the moment, they're trying to do damage control right? They put out the immediate fires and afterwards, after like trying to catch their breath, it's like, well, what happened? And as they backtrack, they come across like more of the thoughts of like, oh, this is because I have a hard time reconciling with the fact that I'm actually okay. Or I really don't believe that this person really wants to be with me. I don't feel, I don't believe that I'm good, etc. So I think feelings kind of show up in their raw form. And even with our brains, how they work is by the time we get to the thinking portion of it, it means we're already calm enough to do that kind of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. In the heat of the moment, though, that part shuts down. And then we go into our mammal and our lizard brain where everything is super chaotic and upside down. It's more of like a body visceral feeling or like a sense maybe. And then maybe we can kind of reconcile with like the, the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think our experiences are quite like clean cut between thinking, feeling, and doing, or like head, heart, and our body. They're very much interconnected. And that's precisely why we need to consider them as such. Mm -hmm. It's just that in this day and age, in especially like the westernized part of the world, there's been way more emphasis and acknowledgement of the head center or like things that are more intellectualized, rational sentences, et cetera. When it comes to things that are more abstract or ethereal, like, you know, emotions or body sensations, we don't give them the same respect and the same amount of attention. Mm-hmm. until like So in a sense, like it might be like splitting hairs to try to, you know, tease out a particular emotion or a particular body sensation, whichever one stands out to you the most, roll with that and you'll eventually hit the other ones. I remember reading the definition of of emotions and what really is the definition behind it. And this one really stuck with me, which is emotions are just signals to you and others what you need. Like if you're sad, then if other people see that you're sad, they might comfort you. And if you know yourself that you're sad, hopefully you'll you'll know to comfort yourself. So it's internal and external signals for, for you and others. 
what do you think is the role of emotions in day-to-day 21st century life? I mean, I think our feelings are meant to be signals highlighting what we're needing or what we're wanting. And so different emotions convey that message depending on what it is. And so instead, like, let's say sadness, because you just brought that up. Even in the movie Inside Out, when sadness showed up, that signal has been labeled as bad. And that's kind of where things started going sideways. But by the end of the movie, and spoiler alert, like by the end of the movie, the main thing the character was needing was acknowledgement and comfort and closeness. Those are the three main things that happen or that the person needs when the emotion sadness comes up. Mm. When it comes to, let's say, anger, the main needs that anger signals is for agency, the ability to make decisions or make change on behalf of oneself or more efficacy or efficiency for things to be very effective or go according to a certain expectation or timeline, et cetera. So anger naturally is a very energizing emotion that involves a lot of forward movement. Mm-hmm. Fear would be either for more preparation or more practice, more support maybe. And so all of these emotions correspond with particular needs if we actually accept that our emotions are neutral signals, neither inherently good or bad, then we're more likely to get the memo as to what they're trying to point out. Mm -hmm. Label these, any of these signals as inherently good or bad. So for example, for a lot of women, the emotion of sadness is labeled as good. The emotion of anger is labeled as bad. I think for a lot of men, it might be the opposite. Mm-hmm. whichever way it goes it doesn't really matter and sometimes it's like depending on a person's culture and the labels that get attached to different emotions good emotions are overly celebrated and it's as if like when those feelings show up like all is well so for some households or for some culture numbness might be labeled as a good emotion and let's just keep this very steady and any emotion that goes that disrupts the waters is labeled as bad, then things get very complicated because we're getting further and further removed from the needs that those emotions are trying to signal. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that framing. And I, I always am envious of people who grew up in families where their emotions are celebrated and heard and seen and comforted. I think in a lot of families that that part is just pushed away or things are awkward and emotions are not addressed. And I feel like those are the people that grow up and they're like, what do I do with these feelings? I barely know how to name these feelings. Yep. And there's an actual term for that. (laughs) It's called alexithymia, the inability to put words to feelings, either our own feelings or other people's feelings. Mm. No, that's part of the confusion. It's like, especially in the part of the world where where we put so much emphasis on the rational, quote unquote, and what's assumed to be rational are things that are visible, measurable, able to be explained. Well, if we can't put words to feelings, then of course they're going to be assumed to be extra immature or extra unworthy, not because feelings themselves are bad, but because we've put all these expectations on what's considered worthy and what is not. Mm. So even considering our own individual experiences in a wider social context is super important 
and so like an easy example is if let's say a person leans more deeply emotional or expressive and that person is like heavily judged in their environment but you pick them up you drop them off in a different part of the world that tends to value what that person already does that person's going to have a very different personal and social experience even though that person hasn't changed at all so we often don't consider our experiences with respect to our context it's just that especially in this part of the world if what big feelers do isn't well celebrated then we get extra judged and extra shamed much more than is actually appropriate. Mm -hmm. I'm even thinking about more like taboo emotions like envy or jealousy or anger or whatever it is that is frowned upon if you express it too much. And I almost feel like because society labels these as good or bad, that's probably why people feel shame expressing those things. Or the fact that they feel like, oh, I'm not a good person. I, I'm not like my friend, you know, Shane over here who never has a bad thought and is so accommodating, never jealous, et cetera. So going back to that topic of like, I don't feel like I'm a good person or I feel like I'm a bad person. Where do you think that comes from in people? Well, I think shame itself, which is assumed to be a bad emotion, also has its own function. And one quick example is, you know, you could probably think of some people like off the bat that you're like, oh, they're so shameless. And like, it's, you can see like the destruction they cause for those people. They could afford to have more shame <laughs> so that, uh, you know, they would be able to like honor other people, like take care of them instead of like steamrolling over them. Right. And so shame itself, though, is generally assumed to be bad. There is a very useful social function and if you think about like a lot of, especially the Asian countries that are very shame driven, mm-hmm. what's, what are the perks of those societies? Well, you know, the, the train systems run very smoothly. The streets are very clean. Like everything is very orderly and smooth. So shame itself as an emotion, one of its main functions might be to keep the collective running very smoothly by making sure that the individual's are aligning themselves to the agendas or the values of the collective. It's just that, especially in the United States, where we put such a high emphasis on the individual at the expense of the collective, where we even have a whole holiday celebrating independence, shame as an emotion would, first of all, be a natural byproduct in highlighting specific individuals as if they are broken. Mm-hmm. And you, it's like you better make sure to change yourself so you fit the overall collective. And so in that sense, like seeing even supposedly bad emotion like shame as having a particular function is very helpful so that we reduce some of the charge. It's not actually about the individual feeling shame as being bad. It's just that sometimes those individuals have been made to feel bad because they don't fit the collective so we need to recalibrate the we need to see the end result the conclusion of i am a bad person supposedly and if we see it in that bigger cultural or social context perhaps those individuals who feel or struggle with a lot of shame might have accidentally absorbed 
other people's messages or other people's expectations or other people's judgment. Mm-hmm. And it is actually the case that the individual is broken or bad or unworthy. Oh, that is so, so insightful. I actually, a few examples come to mind, even this month with patients where, and even myself, I think anyone would be able to relate to this oh, okay, well, maybe I just need to change this about myself and then things will be better. Or, you know, my partner, my friend does it better. Let me try to be different or better, just like how they're doing it. And in terms of like this month with my patients, I remember one example of someone saying, like growing up, all I wanted to do was like change myself. Like I felt like I needed to change. Like I needed to change this about me. I was broken. I needed something was off about me. It's a me issue. It's a me problem. And she said that so often. And it was only until she went into therapy that she started to say like, no, I'm okay. Like maybe it's not me. I have to think about the context. I have to think about the external situation. Maybe it's not all me. And I thought that was so profound. And I I heard that again later that week with someone else. And it's like that shift, like that shift is so, so interesting to me. (laughs) It's like the messages of I'm too blank. I'm too emotional. I'm too loud. I'm too skinny. I'm too whatever. Like, it doesn't really matter what it is, but I'm too blank. There is a standard or a baseline with respect to that message where I am off of the main standard, right? But who the hell (laughs) drew that standard in the first place? Because isn't it the case that if a person is too sensitive, then there's an assumption of what the right amount of sensitive is. Maybe instead of the person being too sensitive, maybe everyone else is being too insensitive. It's an arbitrary line. Right. And so especially for those who tend to feel a lot of shame in it being a one down experience, I am more inferior than other people or a one away position. I am on the outside looking in. It is a very underly powered position. And especially nowadays, because it's more common or more welcome for people to talk about power and privilege. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Somebody is benefiting from a person feeling shame. Mm -hmm. Somebody is benefiting from that person being kept under one's foot. So if we think about shame through the lens of power and privilege, about who's in versus who's out, who's above versus who's below, then that paints a very different picture Because we think when a person is feeling shame, it's solely about the individual. And again, that is a byproduct of being in a very individualistic society too, Mm -hmm. right? And when it comes to those more collectivistic societies, shame still highlights that focus on the individual, Mm -hmm. right? And so one way of shifting out of shame is, is there anybody who might be benefiting at my expense? when I spin in shame? Is there anybody who profits <laughs> from me spinning in shame? Like all these, you know, programs or companies or marketing strategies that there, there it has to be ethics involved when it comes to marketing because people are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so there are very specific people who are, you know, 
in a way, preying on those who are very vulnerable, and those who are very vulnerable are often those who are experiencing a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you're struggling with like this thought or feeling, like, oh, like I'm so there's something wrong with me. If you think about, okay, is there anyone benefiting from me leaving this about myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, instead of shame, the feeling that might come up is anger. Well, it's like, what the hell? Like, why is this person or this company benefiting from my belief in myself as being less worthy? Mm-hmm. I can pull us out of that shame spiral. Yes. Okay. I, I've actually done this with people struggling with body image, where when people sp- spiral into negative body image, I I almost, I, I tell them to question where that comes from, but also like, why did someone's comment about your body when you were young, make you feel like you have to change? Why couldn't you get angry at that person instead? Why are you internalizing this? So sometimes when a person can naturally get themselves to get angry at that outside force, I I feel good. I feel like they're making progress because you're right. They're turning back on what was being said to them. Now the kicker, as I said earlier, is that a lot of my people who find me are those who struggle with high familiarity with anxiety, guilt, and shame. Partially because they have an allergic reaction to anger. <laughs> oh, that's why you said that. I see. It's like, oh, it's like, well, I'm not allowed to feel angry. I shouldn't feel angry because anger is a bad emotion for me. When other people are angry, like men in high positions of power or, you know, <laughs> incompetent old white men, for example, it's like, like that they're feeling anger isn't give, given the same amount of stigma. But when a woman speaks up, for example, like that person's labeled as being too bitchy, too bossy, too too much, too loud, whatever. And so again, the double standard and also other cultural or community messages that say certain individuals aren't supposed to access anger. Certain individuals in especially historically under-resourced or under-empowered populations, those who are women, immigrants, LGBTQ, whatever, right? They're not allowed to feel anger. Why? Because anger is an emotion of power too. Mm-hmm. And those who are in power want to maintain their positions of power. So y'all better make sure to not have access to that very powerful emotion because we don't want to lose our power. We want to maintain our position. Mm-hmm. So whether it be like thinking of it through the shame route or the anger route, the flip sides of the same coin. Because in this sense, shame and anger, both are emotions about power, privilege, and belonging. Mm-hmm. So... Whichever angle best resonates with you, go with that. But it's just a difficult thing that when a person's struggling with shame, the very thing that they need is anger. But if anger's been labeled as a bad emotion, it's kind of this mutually like recycling experience. And so that's part of the reason why it's so hard to get past it. Mm-hmm. So here's an alternative. An alternative is if, let's say, a person is struggling with any shame message like, like I'm too incompetent. That person, if they think about their closest friend that they love so much, 
and they swap positions. Like, let's say their close friend is struggling with the same thoughts, same feelings, same sentiments. You, as a very caring, loving friend, how would you feel towards that person? What would you say to that person? It's like, what do you mean? Like, you've done all these awesome things. <laughs> and here, 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 here are all the concrete reasons and evidence why you are actually very competent, capable. And even if you're not the best at something, I've seen instances of you learning new skills. So if there's any discrepancy between how you treat yourself and how you treat your close friend, that's a signal that the kind of shame you're feeling is a very reactive one mm -hmm. versus a re reflection of what's real and true. Right. And I think this actually goes hand in hand with someone's self-esteem, of course, as well, where... Okay. You know, I think when all of this is paired with low self-esteem, what I see happen and what I personally also know happens is you'll look at someone else and go, well, you know, they're just a better person. They have these more shiny, innate skills, these social skills or these whatever skills that I don't have. Maybe they're just more cut out for it and I'm different. And I think that thought creeps in for a lot of people. And, you know, for many, I'm going to share a personal sort of anecdote for the majority of my early life, maybe the first two decades, I didn't question people. I, I didn't question anyone. I thought they were better than me. I thought they were smarter than me. I thought they were shinier. They were more successful. And so anyone, and you know, this is mostly from people who had attained success or maybe were white or, you know, whatever it was. And I just thought they were different people. They were better people. And it wasn't until recently, only maybe the past five years as I've become a working professional, seeing all of these working professionals that like that person that's higher up on the chain that has more success, that might be like beautiful and whatever it is, they're no better than me. Like I, I can get angry at them if something is not right or if something is not fair. They're not inherently better as a human. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings us back to the main idea that shame has the message of being one down and one away. I am lesser than the other person or other people, and I am on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. And we take these as neutral messages. It's just information. It doesn't mean that it's actually true, but that's basically what shame signals. That's It's as if those things are the case. So the way to dissolve shame or as an antidote to shame is whatever's the opposite. And so sometimes some people might think, well, the opposite of shame is pride, right? <laughs> Thinking that you're better than the other person, but you know, it's more of the same in actuality because taking a one up position in pride or contempt and looking down on other people basically says that you are not equal with another person. So sometimes people can be in a one down position and then switch and overcompensate to being in a one up position. And a clear example of this will be narcissists. <laughs> mm. On the outside, narcissists generally take a very one up position and they look down on other people. Mm -hmm. But you know that they're not actually better because once you say a comment that seems to point at how they're not so one up, they get super offended. Mm. They double down on their position. So that kind of reveals how they're actually so insecure on the inside. Namely, at the core, it's still shame. 
So it doesn't really matter how it shows up. Sometimes shame might show more obviously and that a person is like more self-demeaning or more groveling or more heavily in like the envy position or whatever, or a person might show up on the outside as like, I'm just better than all of you. Or like, how dare you mm-hmm. treat me this way? Shame and pride are flip sides of the same coin. They work hand in hand. And so they're not the opposites of each other, but the actual opposite of both of them is humility. Mm. Or is it humility? Some people might hear humiliation. It's the same root. But the word humility in the Latin root refers to the term humus, which means earth or dirt. It's also where we get the same word human. So the antidote to being in a one down or one up position, so namely shame or pride, is to recognize that we are all on the same plane. We're all ground level. We're all on the dirt level as human beings. That's the only way out of this very reactive trap Mm. in that instead of being one down and one away or one up and one in, we are all equal. And we all belong. Mm-hmm. That's the only way out of this process. And mm-hmm. so this is why it's e- even in our growth process, it's important to recognize the possibility of us overcompensating. And so we can actually end up burning a lot of bridges or creating a whole lot of other problems. It's well intended. We're trying to get out of the shame position, but in effect, it might actually cause more complications. And we're still, then we just swing right back into the shame cycle all over Mm -hmm. again. That was the best explanation I've ever heard of these terms, the way that you tied it together. It is so, the common theme is the more that you feel othered, the the worse off you are ultimately, because you just don't feel connected to anyone. But the more that you can think that all humans are humans and we're just on the same playing field, everything becomes easier. It sounds like. Yeah. And being different isn't bad. Everyone's different. I am no more or less different than others. Everyone's different and everyone is the same. Mm. Those who have not done a lot of personal work, those can't be in the same sentence together. Either either have to be good or bad. Mm. I can't be good and bad. Right. I have to either be different and special or same and bad or sometimes it could be flipped around i need to be same which is good and different which is bad like doesn't matter which way it goes when people have really done their personal work we can reconcile even seemingly opposite concepts Mm -hmm. in the same we can hold paradox because there's enough room inside of us to be able to hold all that so you'd be able to tell someone who's really done their work someone comes by and says a comment to them and it's like water off a duck's back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just move about with their day. Anyone who's still in the shame or pride position, mm-hmm. well, obviously a person who's swinging more in shame will be like, oh my gosh, this person thinks so lowly of me, or I knew it, this must mean there's something wrong with me, and then go down mm-hmm. that route. Or it's like, the, how, how fine dare you? <laughs> Mm -hmm. how dare you call me that in either case it's skipping the being equal sense Mm -hmm. and being equal we're going to get caught up in all kinds of drama that spend a whole lot of time resource energy than we need to and create a lot of a lot more headache and heartache than we really need Mm 
Mm-hmm. Imagine like how much time got sucked up in reactivity mm-hmm. because we might not have a very vibrant relationship with feelings and labeling certain feelings as good and others as bad. Mm-hmm. Right. When you can feel the feelings and not place judgment, something something about that neutralizes it. So then you prevent the shame spiral. Yeah. And it's not just neutralizing, but it's actually recognizing that there's a specific message. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a fantastic thing to go from being polarized or picking and choosing feelings to seeing them as all neutral. That's fantastic. It's just that that staying in that place is like seeing feelings as like fruit flies and you just kind of wave it away. That's what neutralizing means. Like it doesn't bother you. It doesn't knock you off balance. But what if each feeling has a very specific message, right? So instead of just seeing them as neutral, you see them as neutral messages. Then that highlights what direction we could take mm-hmm. to actually those needs or those wants so i think in recent decades there's been a fantastic movement with like you know Brene brown and like susan david etc where like now we're at the place where it's more normal to hear like let them go feel Mm -hmm. the feelings and let them pass that is awesome compared to where we were before Mm -hmm. i think the next step is don't just let them go find out where you go next by discerning or translating what each feeling means about what you need or what you want. Mm -hmm. We're not just trying to make sure we don't get knocked off balance, but we're trying to have forward movement in actually creating the kinds of life and relationships that we actually dream of. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I, I heard a quote recently that said, if something still bothers you, that's work that you need to do. And so I feel like you do this work so well, Joanne. I feel like people have probably, this audience has probably talked to a lot of therapists, but I think you really know this stuff so well, like these, this emotion sphere so well. What made you want to dive so deep into this kind of specific realm? I mean, I'm a big feeler myself. <laughs> highly sensitive person Enneagram for the only feeling person in my immigrant family and like most of other reasons oh being closeted queer having grown up in a very conservative like religious like all those reasons right so my own personal journey involved me having had so many feelings that then I repressed and then I became super numb and super dissociated I was actually celebrated for being not meant associated because I was the good, easy kid. Mm. Never caused any problems until I just like lost my shit one day. (laughs) All these feelings came up. I mean, that launched me into my own therapy journey, which I'm super thankful for. And I mean, now I am a therapist and feelings coach. And so I work with a lot of people with their feelings. And as I was doing that over the years, I'm like, there's probably more here because I have a, there's a lot of parallels that as they're, you know, working through their feelings, I get more healing and then vice versa. As do I do my own personal work, they also have more clarity as to what they're feeling. And so it's kind of, it was this like parallel process where once I kind of, what's the word? 
once I crystallized what I sensed in how feelings work into those like three simple steps of Mm -hmm. feeling the emotion, revealing the emotion, sorry, feeling the emotion, revealing the need and dealing with the need, everything became so much simpler. And so clients used to with me for years and years and years. Nowadays, if I have a pretty good fit with people, then it usually takes like 30 to 40 sessions, which is about like eight to 10 months before they're like, you know, I think I got this because feelings aren't really all that complicated. It's just when we put so much shame and stigma on top of it because of, again, our cultural messages about how feelings are bad, that's what makes it more complicated. But there is an inherent logic and reason to feelings. We just have to know that's like a language and it has its own vocab and grammar structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once we like that, it's actually pretty straightforward. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like what used to knock people off balance for like weeks or maybe even years nowadays like yeah I still have feelings that like trigger me or sometimes they trip me up but it takes like an hour or three at most that I can course correct and so the point isn't to be feeling less the point is to recognize that feelings are just signals they're ways that we are given information about what to do going forward not too differently than you know as drivers in a car we need to be taking in signals traffic lights for like pedestrians and things like that so we can make decisions moving forward mm-hmm. things yeah. move more smoothly totally but I do my last question here is that I'm personally curious about as a fellow Asian American woman when you are practicing all of this and you're being more emotionally expressive what do mm-hmm. you do with people who don't know this version of you, namely your family or people in your childhood who has never seen the side to you and that awkwardness that comes. (laughs) Well, so there's the experience of emotion and there's the expression of emotion. We need to consider both instead of lumping them together. Mm -hmm. The experience of an emotion is where like we gather and glean all that good information, but that can be done as an individual that's a personal internal process. So if feeling comes up, it's like, okay, I know I'm feeling irritable right now. Okay. What does irritation mean? Irritation means that something is in my space and I need to create more buffer. Mm-hmm. That's the experience of it. You do that on your own. The expression of an emotion, it depends on your context because unfortunately not all of us are in very safe environments and expressing an emotion might actually put us into hotter waters mm-hmm. so you can still feel the emotion glean the information and like validate yourself and all of that but as to whether that whether you show that to your context it really depends on whether or not you're in danger and whether or not you would actually get those needs met so this part requires a lot more discernment mm-hmm. like if someone gets someone is so upset they get chewed out by their boss at work unfairly and like in this climate, like, you know, job market is not doing really well, then it might not be to their benefit, even if their feelings are valid for them to speak up to their boss. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that they shouldn't feel that feeling, but I probably say channel and harness that rightful anger <laughs> towards reestablishing, rewriting your resume and going on more interviews. 
that would probably make more practical sense than for the boss to know how you're feeling. Because frankly, if if we're dealing with an asshole boss, they're probably not going to care how we feel anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's the experience of an emotion. This is kind of where we translated, we validated ourselves. We do share it with pe- we do share it with people who are safe. When I say mm-hmm. safe, safe based on not our feelings about them, but based on their track record, how they demonstrated it in the past, they they can hold very valuable parts of you. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to shut people out completely. Like they can mess up and that's okay, but have they repaired that? If not, if they have a track record of dismissing you, invalidating your experiences, labeling you, judging you, whatever, it's probably their crap. Mm-hmm. And with those people, I would not recommend that people share their feelings. Mm-hmm. It's only going to be used against them. Ah, oh, that's such an important distinction, guys. Read the room. Read the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like sometimes it helps, especially for people who lean more big feeling or struggle with shame. Again, there's the absorbing of all these collective messages as if it's a reflection of oneself. It's not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's other people's crap. Don't take that in as if it's a reflection of you. Spit it back out. And by the way, that's the other function of anger. Mm -hmm. We recognize this this does not belong to me. This is not my stuff. This is their stuff. I'm going to spit it back out. Mm-hmm. The other people don't have to take it back, but it's still our responsibility to keep our home clean. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, yes. Get angry, feel your feelings and process internally and read the room that those are such, such valuable lessons. And I really appreciate you coming on. I learned so much today, the nuances of emotions that I never thought I would learn from you, Joanne. Like you never know what you don't know. <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, like, we don't have to know all the things about feelings right now. And I like considering the things in very simple terms. You can learn as you go, but it's kind of like, you know, first you start with a pencil. And then you might bring in like three color pencils. <laughs> so you got four. You can go a long way with a single pencil and three primary color color pencils mm-hmm. and then add more nuance as you go. Totally fine. And so, you know, even when you're interacting with someone who like doesn't speak a lick of English, if both of you have know of a language that's kind of in the middle or you can draw pictures or hand or whatever, you can still go a long way, even if you haven't mastered the other language. Mm-hmm. And so the bar is low. <laughs> Any extra insight about how feelings work goes a long way because at least it spares us from absorbing that extra shame mm-hmm. and maintaining our emotional balance. And when we're stressed, we are more likely to make decisions that make things worse Meaning when we're less stressed, we're more likely to make decisions that e- reduce stress even further down. Mm-hmm. So anything, any movement towards integrating your feelings into your normal day-to-day life, fantastic. If even you know listeners take one or two things from this particular interview and just apply that in their day-to-day life, that'll that'll go a long way. Mm-hmm. 
Doesn't oh my gosh. I know it's going to go a long way. I think I'm going to practice this too. There's so many areas sure. that I see applies with what you were talking about. So I know that you have the tools. So what can someone expect to get out of your feelings course, which I know that you're really passionate about right now? What can someone expect day one? And then after the end of this course? Yeah. So I am running a hybrid course where it's a school where there are some online pre-recorded videos for people to watch and go through on their own timeline, but definitely feelings are meant to be learned in a community context. So alongside those recordings, I, I want for people to have like access to me to be able to ask questions, tease out the nuances, hear other people's experiences, be like, oh, hey, like, that sounds like me, <laughs> or I resonate with it. Like I thought I was the only one who was struggling with this, but it turns out it's a very normal thing. So, you know, when people start, like part of it is like learning like the basics, the feelings 101 stuff of how feelings are supposed to work, how we've, you know, made it go sideways. So I talk a lot about the emotional vortex, what happens when people don't do feelings well, and all the vocab and the grammar structure of feelings, even like the basic stuff will take you a long way. And then talking about how to actually practice those in our personal growth, our relationships, and in our personal our professional realms. After that, after we put out all the fires in our environment, and with for some people that might involve them actually seeing meeting a therapist near them, then we can paint the picture of what it's like to be in emotional flow state. Mm -hmm. There's the putting up the fires of the emotional vortex. And once the dust has settled and now we have more margin, we have the possibility of dreaming what we would like, not just what we need. Mm -hmm. So maybe that person builds towards a career that instead of working with computers and data, maybe they go into a field that's more relational. Mm -hmm. you know, if a person often feels anger, chances are that person really values things like justice or efficiency or whatever. And so like, again, they might build towards, you know, that kind of career. Mm -hmm. Our feelings don't just tell us what we need in the moment to put out fires, but they also reveal really important parts of our individuality. This is kind of where we get into the existential stuff. Like what is the purpose and meaning for your life? This is your feelings show you. Mm-hmm. So once, you know, for some people, they might be coming in because like, there's too much drama, there's too much chaos happening. So like enrolling into the course, they learn the basics to cool things down, maybe bring on a therapist. Yes. And tapping into what you want is so, yeah. so special. So for anyone who's feeling like, yeah, they, they feel like they are not satisfied in their life right now, or someone who feels like they always have to change themselves to be... Yeah a good enough person or, you know, whatever it is, I think this course would be perfect for you to feel these feelings, feel the anger and get closer to your truest feelings. That is so, so powerful. Is there anywhere else you want to direct people or just emotional, intelligent? Em yeah. Intelligentemotions.com. Yeah. So I also am on social media, mostly on Instagram where I do love like chatting with people as well, but I love Instagram in that they're kind of like bite size sections as well. I do have a weekly newsletter that goes out based on like the feeling of the week or whatnot. So mm -hmm. yeah. 
Fantastic. So I will definitely download that first aid kit. And thank you so much, Joanne, for coming on. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Craving Food Freedom Podcast. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and please leave a review. I love hearing from you. Until next time, I will be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey towards food freedom.